This is the Shift Podcast. Today on the Shift Daily Podcast, you can download it from all of your favorite podcast platforms. How about the simple things in life? Green Renaissance creates films showcasing the most beautiful people in the world. Now, they also highlight some beautiful places too, but it's just about the people, how they connect, how they live their lives. So we dig into how these films come about with filmmaker Michael Raimondo. Handy Andy Barrar is back to geek out about gardening, as always, and he also explains why pigeons might be the peril for satellite broadband if you want to get the satellite internet. Plus, you're going to have to share some information with Instagram if you want to use it in the future, like your birthday, and e-scooters, which Ryan was very excited about. Are you okay with cows? And what about prank names on the shift as well? Are you okay? What we do is we uh, share these stories and then, you know, you get to contribute. Are you okay with cows? Yeah, cows are great. Uh, One thing from driving across western New York State with my mom when I was a wee boy was she always had to point out, hey, look, cows, every time we drove, you know, by like a dairy farm. So, there's a cow. Yeah, there's, there's a cow. There's a cow. There's a oops, horse. <laughs> <laughs> I like cows. When you play that game, though, you get really excited when you see a donkey, in all fairness. Yeah, yeah it's true. You just play horse, horse. Yeah. You guys ever horse, play horse? That? Yeah, no. when you drive on a road trip, you pass a horse, you say, horse, horse. And then at the end of the road trip, whoever has the tally, the highest at the end wins, but there was a certain thing you can say where it would eliminate the other person's tally. This is my mom's favorite thing. You have to ask her. You could do it with cows, though. Lots of cows. Cow, cow. Cow, cow. cow. Moo, moo. Ooh. Cows are pretty amazing. They make milk. You can keep them as pets or, you know, dinner. But if you had cows, would you take them with you everywhere you go? One person in Wisconsin also known as America's Dairyland, decided that their cow should go with them on a trip <laughs> to McDonald's. Here's more from CBS 58. I looked over and I thought it was like a decal on a window and it moved. No, what it did was move, Natalie. That's because it was a live cow, Natalie, in the back seat of a car in the drive-thru line. Check it out. What Jessica, the? I know, what the is right. Jessica had the presence of mind to grab her phone, start rolling, and now the video is viral. Jessica shared another surprise with CBS 58 today as well. I found out this morning that there was actually three cabs in the back seat of that car. Um, yeah, two of them were laying down, and one of them, the one that you saw, was standing up. Wow. This was a small car, and there were three <laughs> cows in there. I mean, and the bumper would Mc- be dragging on the ground. He went to McDonald's. Unless well, he's getting chicken okay. nuggets. That's pretty traumatizing. I was in uh, a McDonald's drive-thru in Hawaii, and if you've ever been to Hawaii, there are lots of chickens that just run around. And you just often see them on the side of the street. It's just the way it is there. So I pull in thinking I'm going to go and uh, get myself some lunch. And I pull in to uh, McDonald's in Kaneohe, which is right by the, uh, the Biota, uh, Buddhist temple there, the Biota temple, Biota Inn temple. 
It's amazing. Google it. So I pull into Kenny O'Hay, into the drive-thru, and I'm sitting there, and what am I going to order in the drive-thru? I'd like chicken nugget combo, please. And sure enough, right in front of my rental car, walked a chicken. <laughs> and I was like, can you well, change Mike- that to a burger? <laughs> <laughs> I did. I did change my my story to my uh, my order to a burger. But, I mean, it's Funny. challenging with the chickens looking at you. And you're ordering a chicken. Mm -hmm. Uh, Jessica, from that report, by the way, is a little bit of a reporter herself. She found out that those cows were bought at auction. There's no explanation for why the cows were in the car, assuming that they were coming back from the auction. Maybe someone went there and they're like, why don't you take the truck and the cow trailer? And they're like, no, I'm not going to buy anything today. I'm just going to take my Civic. Civic. (laughs) (laughs) And then they're like... Ah, I got a good deal on two cows. Ah, man, you brought the Civic. (laughs) I almost want to do it, though. That would be funny to do it with, like, a miniature horse or something. Because you know how, like, a dog hangs its head out the window? Horses like to put their head out the window out of the horse trailer, so do it in a car. That'd be fun. Nice. Let's get an out-of-context clip here before we get into our next Are You Okay? Claiming mouse. Uh, yes, I'm looking for a friend of mine. Last name Jazz, first name Hugh. Ah, hold on, I'll check. Uh, Hugh Jazz! Oh, somebody check the men's room for a huge ass. Oh, I'm huge ass. Telephone. Hello, this is huge ass. Uh, hi. Are you okay? <laughs> Are you okay with prank names? I adore when stuff like that happens to like news anchors when they're reading birthday names and stuff like that. I think it's so and it, and they can be a good sport about it i think it's great and the simpsons there's just infinite stream of amazing bart simpson one-liner prank calls mm-hmm. Love them. now in all fairness uh a friend of mine my buddy jerry forbes one of his very good friends is a man by the name of phil mccracken who is legit his name and not only was it his name but he was the mayor of a town called crossfield no way that was all legit. <laughs> that is fantastic. <laughs> I always quote the real realtor in Calgary who used to advertise on those bus benches and her name was Anita Dick. But it worked. Because mm-hmm. here we are talking about it. Okay, this next story sounds like it's ripped straight out of a Simpsons episode. A Virginia school board hosted an open session for members to the public to weigh in on big issues. And, of course, somebody took the opportunity to prank the school board member, Roscoe D. Cooper. Cooper was sent a large list of names to call up to the podium to voice their concerns. Not surprisingly, none of these people actually showed up. For us in 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 this uh, environment, you answer to us, and I'm asking that you do not pass this policy in Virginia. Thank you so much, Ms. Thomas. We do appreciate you. Phil McCracken. Phil McCracken. Sulk, Suk, Mahidic. Ophelia McHawk. Ophelia McHawk. Eileen Dover. Eileen Dover. Don Kiddick. Don Kiddick. 
Wayne Kerr. Wayne Kerr. <laughs> wow. <laughs> okay. I got caught once when I first came to work at a radio station. The receptionist played a joke on me because back then we didn't have voicemails. So we used to have the little memos that they would put up for you. And I got a uh, the phone number for the Calgary Zoo to call this guy named Don. And then I phoned the zoo and I was like, is Don Key there, please? <laughs> and I returned the phone call. The receptionist at the zoo is like, I think you've been pranked. I was like, why haven't I been pranked? Is it because there's no donkey here? <laughs> and I fell for it. Oh, God. Um, Boingboing.net suspects they ditched the meeting to grab a drink without a drink with alcoholic. That's pretty funny. That's good. I've never heard I leaned over before. Yeah, that was a That's good one. pretty good, yeah. eh? That's a yeah. really good one. Yeah. Yeah. I just can't believe he kept reading them. <laughs> I think at the very end. There's some end, nasty ones probably, in there, too. There's some pretty nasty ones there. But, uh, oh, that made my day. <laughs> I leaned over. <laughs> I leaned over. <laughs> oh, that's a good laugh. I haven't laughed that hard in a long time. Okay. Are you okay? Are you okay with school lunches? Yeah. I don't know. I happen to make the best school lunches of all the school lunches. Best dad ever. I used to, like, in the third grade, used to trade them. Used to, you know, I used to always go and trade for something really? better. Yeah. My lunch was always the same. My lunch was just, you know, maybe a variation on the sandwich, but there was always a granola bar, a fruit cup, and like one snacky thing in there. But I, uh, I, I do remember vividly in grade six, my mom going, "All right, it's time for you to pack your own lunch." And, and that's, in what that's grade? One of the grade six. Whoa, that's yeah. a mean mom. I well, <laughs> I'd say of all the things parenting that my mom has done that's the thing that i i think is the most mean yeah she taught you to be independent but my lunch quality plummeted very early on in my in my educational career well going hungry is always good inspiration to remember to do things uh i always like to put in the friday treat like uh maybe something like an easter cream egg around easter time you know a little kit kat bar here and there i like to put a little friday surprise Lunch is always the simplest part of going to school. Same sandwich, same snacks every single day. I remember that. I remember going, ugh, peanut butter. My mom used to make me cheese whiz sandwiches often when I was going to school. It was just me butter too. and margarine and cheese whiz. Yep. Um, but tell you what, as an adult, I still will go to them every now and then when I'm craving. But that isn't always the case for some families that have struggled to put food on the table during the pandemic. They have relied on the U.S. federal uh, program that puts free school lunches out for every kid in America, which is cool. And here I know that at my kid's school, they often have breakfast sitting out for kids who come in in the morning and don't eat breakfast at home. Those programs are amazing. And yet somehow there are people who are worried they could have a negative impact on kids. At nearly every Wisconsin public school, all students will be able to eat free meals this academic year, same as they did last year under federally funded program responding to the pandemic. But not in Waukesha, 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 located approximately 20 miles from Milwaukee. It's funny how the names are so close. Administrators opted into the program last year, but school board members intervened and hit the brakes on it this time around. Board member Karen Rajnasek said, uh, I said that with a question mark because I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right, said the free program made it easy for families to become spoiled. So I have three kids. I had them, and so I'm going to feed them, and I think that's the responsibility of an adult. Yes, we have 
300, is it 300 this year, homeless kids in our population, but we have we have help for them and we have free reduced lunch for our low-income families and all of that. But when you just make a blanket, everything's free for everyone, that means that there are people out there that do not have kids that are paying for my kids to eat. Can we just get back to if I have children, I should be able to provide for them. And if I can't, there is help for them. But stop feeding people that can provide for them. I feel like this is a big problem. And it's really easy to get sucked into and to become spoiled. And then to just think it's not my problem anymore. It's everyone else's problem to feed my children. Well, she has a point. Um, and But that would be a conversation around integrity, wouldn't it? I don't think that would be a conversation around food. Because if parents are willing to shortcut for that, then they'll shortcut for. It's also a good conversation around socialism. <laughs> but I was I, I was know. literally about to say I was going to make a socialism thing, but I mean, like, why would this is a this is a great thing, and it's not like the pandemic's over, especially in America. Cases are skyrocketing. It makes a sense that this program would continue at you know run it for six months, and if the pandemic slows down and you want to get rid of it and go back to just supporting. Low-income families, sure, but like really getting spoiled, I don't know, man. Well, those kids are. I would take this to a whole other level. If kids show up, any mom or dad, if kids show up at your house and they're hungry, you will feed them. Hey, Billy, want a snack? Yeah, okay, I'd like to have a snack because Billy's going to be eating because Billy's hungry. All the kids are always hungry. They're hungry. They'll eat the food. And so the parents are going to take care of these other kids, these strange kids that show up on your front step. You know? Hey, can Ryan come out and play? Yeah, right? Like, you're going to feed the babies. So just feed the babies. Who cares? Don't ask questions. Feed the babies. Give the babies the food. Now, yes, should there be some sort of way to, if the kid comes every single day and has the lunch where the school calls the parent and says, hey... Uh, your child has taken free lunch every single day this week. Is everything okay at home? What can we help with? That would be taking action and still feeding the babies. And if the parents say, I'm not giving my kid lunch because you give them free lunch, Milwaukee, then um, then that's a conversation that you might have to create some structure around. But, you know, I don't think of all of the socialism, socialist ideas in the world that are going to end the world. A sandwich and a banana is the end of it for the babies. Come on, man. Just feed the babies. They're always hungry anyway. They're going to eat no matter what. If it looks good and it's on the counter, it's gone. If you hide the cookies in the back behind the, the bowls that nobody uses, they will sniff those out and find them. Mm-hmm. They will because they're hungry. I think the the one really cool thing about a program like this is it's the same lunch for all of the kids so you're guaranteed like a healthy good lunch i remember vividly in high school the first year which was grade nine because i was in ontario at the time when i it was brand new high school coca-cola you know snacks all that kind of thing everywhere the chips were lays all that the next year though all the sugar pop out coke zero diet coke absolutely all of the chips sun chips crackers they still sold the most incredible cookies though what i would do for a corpus christi cookie right now unbelievable but uh that that idea of like healthy eating in schools and this kind yeah. of helping to put that forward especially in the states i think is a is a great idea and i think it's probably going to stick around 
Well, the breakfast, I, 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 it's a parenting thing. My kids, I, Carter, you got to get some breakfast before you go. No, I'll go some breakfast at school. They have free breakfast at school every day. Yeah, that's not what that's for. <laughs> Sit down and eat, please. Right? Like, they don't get it. But yes, feed the babies. This is the Shift Podcast. Browsing the internet, we can find all kinds of dreadful things. Sometimes we find something really cool. I managed to find that actually it was sent to me from a link from a friend. And I, I want to tell the story of how I found out about the Green Renaissance Group because that goes to show the magnitude of impact when you speak up. Michael uh, Raimondo is here. Now, I didn't pronounce that right, Michael. How do I say it properly? Michael Raimondo. That's great. What's your What's your background? I'm, uh, I suppose now I'm a filmmaker, but I'm a passionate uh, environmentalist, I suppose. I'm passionate about nature and got into filmmaking after many years doing different things. It's beautiful. And myself and my partner, Justine, live off-grid in a tiny home on the tip of Africa, at the bottom of South Africa. You are quite literally on the other end of the world. Now, your your last name is of Italian heritage. Were you born in South Africa, or is your just family Italian backwards in time? No, back backwards in time, family's Italian, but 100% South African. It's very cool. So here's here's the magnitude. So Michael is on the tip of South Africa. I'm broadcasting from Calgary all across Canada. The videos that were sent to me were from my study buddy, Julie. Um, Julie and I are engaged in some seminar study together. Julie and I met because of time zones and the study time. Julie Donnelly uh, is from Ireland. She's studying in Bristol, Southwest UK. So I'm doing the same study in Bristol, Southwest UK. And that's how we met. So my friend in Ireland to me in Calgary has created this connection to South Africa. And that's, that's not a beautiful thing. I don't know what is. That's wonderful. That is wonderful. The world's a small place. It becomes very small very quickly. So I came across a couple of videos, thanks to Julie. And as I started to scroll through what it is that you guys do there, I watched more and I watched more and I watched more. Now, you know, the green renaissance with everything to do with the earth is, is one topic that people will listen from the earth lens. But the work you do is more than that. I subscribe to the healthy humans perspective. I, yeah. I believe that this world becomes a better place when humans take a moment and look in the mirror and and are able to dig into the existential work that this world is not happening to me, it's happening for me. There's an awful lot of that inside the work of your group, Michael, is the healthy humans is an equally important part of the healthy earth. So can you tell me about Green Renaissance and what it is and what you guys do? Sure. So essentially, it's just two of us. It's myself and Justine, my partner. And um, in the past, we uh, used to do uh, film work and mostly for environmental organizations, mostly NGOs and a bit of sustainability communication for corporates. And we got to a point about four years ago where we wanted to tell stories about people, you know, uh, these universal truths, what, what, what drives us, what is important in life. 
And because our company was called Green Renaissance and we're focused on the environmental work, we didn't go and change our name. But the last 200 odd films we've done in this series is really focusing on, you know, what it means to be human. And we explore that. And every week or every second week, we go and make a new film about someone. And we're just fascinated about why we are here and what is the purpose of life and uh, what are people struggling with, what inspires them, what brings them joy, uh, what are they scared of, those universal things that relate to all of us. Um, and that's a journey that Justin and I have been on and it's changed our life profoundly. We've traveled around the world telling these stories and uh, yeah, we, we really, it's our passion project. So this is really driven by innate curiosity to meet people and learn from them and share it with the world. Most of the films, by the way, for anybody who wants to check them out, are average about seven to 10 minutes. There are a couple that are 12 and so on. But for the most part, that's roughly the length of the film. So they're very digestible too. They're not the kinds of things that uh, take a massive commitment like your Netflix and chill sit down and, and spend an entire weekend dedicated to a series. Now, there are so many of them you could definitely yeah. do that if you wanted to as well. Um, how do you find these people, Michael? It's, uh, we kind of go down these rabbit holes and uh, a lot of them we find by chance. Um, a lot of them are just uh, by chance meetings. We'll be walking down a street and uh, someone will smile at us and we'll have a conversation and that turns into a film like um, someone in Edinburgh, on the streets of Edinburgh, or I'll be driving along and see a woman in her garden and stop and chat to her. So those are those random chance meetings. But often we make a film with someone and they say to us, go and meet my friend here, and then we'll go and meet the friend. But in the research process, normally we'd have to meet sort of 10 odd people to sort of resonate with, with someone we think that would work for what we're doing. Mm -hmm. And other times we would literally on Egg Island in the Hebrides in Scotland, we jumped into a taxi driver's car. He was the only taxi driver on the island and he turned out to be the full. Wow. So, you know, it's sometimes a, a random chance meeting and other times we have to dig a little deeper. Do you have a favorite? It changes week by week. I'll be honest. It, it really depends on the mood. Uh, depends on yeah how you're feeling. Um, just what we're all going through at the moment uh, with with this pandemic that changes how what resonates with you. So it really it really it changes all the time. Um, and uh, yeah, I I get humbled almost every second week that I make a new film. I think I have a favorite, then I'll meet a new person, and that becomes my favorite. So it changes all the time. I have so many questions, Michael. Like, this is amazing. Can we, when we're done here, I would like your permission to play uh, the audio from one of your videos. Um, and I would like to play Being Simply Beautiful. Would that be okay? Sure. So Being Simply Beautiful is a, a story, a man tells a story, a big bearded, handsome, tooth missing man um, about a simple life and, and the way he lives. And that's all I'm going to say from my perspective on it. I would like, is there anything that you can tell us about that as an example of an experience? How did you come across that one? So, I mean, Theo is the most random, this wonderful man that I met. It's, 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 a, it's a short story, but to give you an idea, I met this lady 
uh, a toothless lady who lives in this beautiful little village of Seabrook uh, in, in about two hours away from where I am. And after I made a film with her, I said, do you know of anyone else I should film? Came here to buy one of my ducks. And I think you should go and meet this man. So I, I drove in my car another three hours and I went and met this man. I never met him before. And he was wonderful. And I made a film with him. And when I finished made the, making the film with this guy called Benneke, I said, do you know anyone you think I should film with? And he said, you know, last week I was walking in the town and I met this guy. I had a five-minute conversation with him. His name was Theo. And he, you know, he's nomadic. He doesn't stay in one place. And, and the film will tell you more about him. Try and find him. And I literally went. I knew his first name. And I went onto Facebook. And I, and I found him. And he happened to be eight hours away from where I live. Oh, wow. So I jumped in my car. I never met him. And I drove up there. And I spent two days, two evenings. And that was his film. So that was a, a complete by chance web that led me from a lady Guy bought the duck, the duck guy met this guy in the street, and that's how I met Theo. So sometimes it's like that. It's just you just trust your gut and your instinct, and you go with it. And other times, you know, it takes a lot more meetings of a lot more people to find someone who resonates with you. How do we apply this into real life, Michael? I mean, this is a beautiful story and it sounds like a fantastic way to just live. It must come from somewhere. How do we take this into our lives every day for the non-filmmakers? For the people here in Canada, for example, we have a federal election going on right now. So conversation is so important in order for people to get clarity on what matters to them in the in this election. What would you recommend for us, Michael? Because clearly... Um, uh, your wife had said that you you have uh, uh, an ability to have a good chin wag. She said, and so so yeah. how, for the people who who don't, what do you say to those people who don't often get out and, and and meet people and say hello and ask those questions? How do we turn this into real life? I think what we've learned from this is that there are you know beautiful stories and beautiful people everywhere. And, and what we try and focus are just ordinary people, you know, the next door neighbors, the people who aren't elevated, famous. These are just people who are getting on with their lives. And, um, and everyone has a, an, a beautiful story to share. We just have to make time to listen to them. And uh, we luckily have a craft where we can knock on someone's door and ask them questions. And we... And we skip the weather talk pretty quickly and we really go into, well, how are you really feeling, you know, or what are you struggling with at the moment? Or what, what is your happiest moment in your life and why? And, and we kind of go quite deep, quite quick. And, um, and, and that person leads you on a story about their happiest moments or their saddest moments. And, and we just try and, and listen. And the more you listen, the more you learn. And it's just been this profound, um, you know, s stories that have come out, come out of the woodwork and, and they have really changed the way we see the world, um, how we can look at how we ordinarily judge people and how wrong we can be, but that there is beauty everywhere. And there's so much to learn from, from everyone, whether it is, you know, someone who's homeless and sitting on the street corner you know, asking for something. Um, and often all they want is just a conversation and a smile and a good morning. And that, you know, that 
can profoundly change change the way you think about things. So here's what we have right here, Michael. I'd like to try to be a mirror for you. Definitely. We have a gentleman who's living in a small house off the grid on the southern tip of Africa. He's with his partner, Justine. You are actively seeking out other humans just to experience other humans and share that story. Correct. You, I think we... Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, I... I <laughs> And what I get from that is how remarkable it is to have a partner like that or a partnership like that. So my question here is, how special is it for you as Michael? Because you can't you can't go through seeking out these people without seeking it out yourself, right? You're not sitting here really just cashing in on it. I mean, yes, it's your job and, and you're creating it and, and it becomes an income, but it's not like you're out selling it to Hollywood trying to make a million dollars. So how special is it for you, Michael? Is Justine to be your partner and be able to support you guys together and live this life and create this? Because you're telling these stories of these people and how special it is, but yet I'm hearing your story is special. Look, I mean, there's no way that I'd be able to do this alone. It's not me. It's not my project. It's, it's our project. And, uh, you know, when we travel, we've been invited to incredible places. St. Helena Island, we did uh, 20 films there, uh, Faroe Islands. We've, we've traveled a little bit and we go together. And uh, I'm, I'm lucky that I, I do the easy bit where I point a camera and I try to look for some pretty images and um, I listen and I ask the questions. But Justine puts it all together. She gets an hour and a half conversation and then she weaves it into this beautiful narrative. And the story could go so many different ways. In the conversation I have with someone, it, it can be about so many different topics because I'm, I'm inquisitive about everything. And, and Justine weaves it all together and she is as inquisitive as I am. We, we used to live very different lives and through this process, We've learned so much about what is important in life. And hence, we live this very simple, simple life. And even if we did win the lottery tomorrow, we would do exactly what we're doing. This is not about money for us in any way. The fact that a couple of people watch it on YouTube and support us on Patreon, that's amazing. But it's really not about the money at all. What's your favorite thing about Justine? <laughs> What's the favorite thing? She... She allows me to be me without trying to change me. She, I've got all these quirks and, um, you know, sometimes I get frustrated about life and she just allows me to be me. And, um, and I have all these crazy dreams and I want to chase after these people I meet. And she, she allows me to do that and uh, supports me. And uh, it's, it's quite, quite a rare thing. It's so, beautiful. Yeah. What do you uh, what do you hope for in all this, Michael? You're sharing these videos of these remarkable human beings. They're out to the world to a guy in Calgary who's sharing it to an entire nation of of people who work at nighttime who got it from a friend in Ireland. Um, what do you want? What do I want? I I would love that more stories like this are told all over the world. We don't want to be the only not the only people. I'm sure there are lots of other filmmakers and people, you know, there's that wonderful photographer, um, Brandon Sturton, who does Humans of New York. I don't know if you've seen That's his work. That's fantastic. I love that. Uh, yeah. 
and it's, and it's the same thing where you you just listen to people in whatever way shape or form and we just we need a lot more of this we need to know that we are all very similar across the across the world and if we start if we start listening to these stories and relating to them then i think i think the world would be a more beautiful place so i'm continually inspired and hopeful and you know really believe in people who just are getting on with it and, and doing the to to be on this journey with us either watching and sharing or or, or doing similar things this is where i feel like radio fails everybody today is that i wish everybody could see your face michael i do because your smile is infectious it's genuine um and I would like to describe to everybody what my experience is of this, is that Michael is smiling through all of this. And I'm sure you can hear that through the radio because you can always hear a smile on the radio. But smiling, telling the story through all of it is this expression of love that's coming from Michael's face that I uh, I don't know. I love radio. I think the magic of radio and words only is uh, a very special piece of life that we don't often celebrate. And there is a piece of this that you are missing and that's Michael's face because if you could see how genuine the smile is, it, it would only be so much better. Michael, thank you so much for the time. I look forward to chatting with you very soon again. And um, thank you to Justine, by the way, for, for helping put this together. And our time zones are very different. So there's been an awful lot of uh, sacrifices and help made there too, Michael. So thank you so much for spending time with us. Great, great pleasure. And we hope to get to Canada sometime soon when this madness is over. And, and thank you so much for your interest. Have a wonderful day. Keep well. Thank you. It's the Shift Podcast. Handyandhumedia.com if you want to check out this guy. Let's get the glow sticks out. Shiny disco pants. Oh, we're doing oh, we're throwback getting jiggy here, with hey? Well, this is the original um, that one of the many songs that Will Smith ripped off Um which is cool. We did a thing on the show here last week about um, in our disco show about some of the songs that were ripped off, and um, and it's great. I mean, there. So one of many songs that he absolutely, uh, absolutely ripped. Um, He's got a good name of the original for, for ripping songs. Uh, Sister was... Sledge. Sister that's Sledge. Right. That's right. Uh, there's so many. I love it. Uh, okay, Andy, Andy. Uh, he's a DIY guy. He has lots of questions. He grows weed in his backyard. <laughs> <laughs> Why? You know, I'm doing it all legal, just like you're supposed to as a good Canadian. You know, we have somewhat the right. legal. It's it's. I wouldn't get in trouble if a if a it, if a police officer came. I would gladly show him, and he, I would hope he'd give me a high five after after an inspection. After he giggled. <laughs> um, <laughs> It's legal-ish, anyway. Um, so how's everything going? To give us an update on all the gardens and all the things that are, I mean, you're a blueberry killer, but you've got other things that have lasted. Yeah, so the blueberries still look dead. It looks like the the blueberries actually tried to come out, like it looks a little purple, and then I touch it, and it just turns into, like, dust. So hmm. um, those blueberry bushes are definitely dead. However, I'm still working on this irrigation system. By the, I'd say by the end of September... I should have it fully built and ready for next year. And then I'll be getting some new blueberry bushes, I hope, in September as well. So I'm not giving up, Shane. I will be a micro blueberry farmer one way or another. 
without mm-hmm. having to manually water it. Once this automated high-tech self-irrigating system is built straight from my outdoor water spigot, I'm telling you, my entire yard is going to be a farm. I'm going to have like, I got ideas for growing squash where I want to make this big dome and you walk under it and there's just going to be like squash hanging everywhere. So I've been watching a lot of crazy YouTube videos and, and coming up with designs. This is pretty much what I do during the fall and winter is I just watch videos and I start taking notes of getting ideas of the things I'm going to do. And then as soon as spring comes, I'm out in the yard pretty much until about September. So in, in the West Coast here in, in Vancouver, I'm pretty much outside from about March to the end of September. So that's quite a <laughs> bit of time. That's how I became a DIY guy. I'm always outside tinkering and doing weird things and breaking stuff, messing up and fixing it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what does it take for me to talk you into pineapples this winter? I'll, well, you grow them indoors, right? Uh, well, they're out all summer, but they are indoors in the winter. Yeah. I could grow pineapples. I'm pretty much yeah. like I want to spice my life up, you know, and start growing other things because I'm, I'm, I got the vegetables down, Pat. I got the cannabis almost down, Pat. We'll see what happens this year. But uh, yeah, I'm down, man. Then we could have, you gotta uh, have patience. pineapple talk. Yeah, yeah, we could. You gotta have patience. I got a pineapple that I planted, the top, and waiting for the shoot to grow. And I did that in March. Then it went outside, and now I finally have a shoot at the end of August. It takes that long for it to get started because a pineapple never regr- it always grows a new plant, not a, doesn't regrow the old plant. So, is it like a banana tree, like how they do it? Where they, I don't they know how banana down? tree grows. Oh, wow. uh, I, I don't know. Well, let me tell you how a pineapple grows. It grows with, um, so you take, you take the top off an old pineapple and you soak it and dry it and then you can put it in and it'll start to grow. But that old top dies. It creates a new root from that old top and a new shoot. Sometimes you get three or four and you can cut them off and replant them and they sometimes will survive. But you can, this is what the one that's growing now is a shoot that came off of a multiple shoot off another plant. And, um, so then you plant it in and then a little new plant will kind of either grow through the center up the top or off to the side. And then that one will grow. And then it, so it grows and grows and grows really, really big if it's a, a big one. Um, and they're the neatest things ever because they're the way that they're, I don't know what you call it, vines work, like the green part, they're actually shaped like a cup. And so what it does is when it rains, it catches oh. all the water and the water runs down to the center of the pineapple. It's like a bit of a scoop. And so it catches all the water from the rain because they don't get rain very often, right? That is In just the real a- world. Absolute amazing design. They're amazing. They really are. And then what happens is they will flower after two or three years. They will flower. And then that flower becomes the fruit. And it kind of grows what looks like a bamboo stick out the bottom. Sticks straight up in the air. And then you got this big pineapple on a little stick and this big bushy thing. And when you cut off that um, when you cut off that pineapple, that plant dies and a new shoot grows out the bottom and it starts all over again. It's amazing. And, it just takes and, forever. And it, can, it can handle cold weather, like Canadian weather. Like well, I, I put them out too soon and they frosted uh, I probably two, three days too soon. And I did lose a bunch of the, the green bits, but they've all grown back now. But it's big. I'll show you. I'll send some pictures. I'll put a picture up on our Facebook group there so everyone can see it too. Um, they're pretty big now. It's probably about four inches across at the base. And it's getting ready. I'm hoping next yeah, summer. I, really how do you flower. feed it? What do you feed it? Like, um, like plant food? Just cat food. Plant food. Really? <laughs> Nothing. Just water. No, I'm not just kidding. Um, no, um, just water. I just water it. I don't put any uh, plant food. I've done some some of the uh, mixed powder plant foods on it, but I don't. I just water it. It has to be somewhat dry, like a sandy soil, and so it doesn't keep too much water and rot at the bottom, and um, and that's it. And then I put them under an LED lamp uh, it, in the wintertime. I'll tell you what, Shane. 
Every night before I go to sleep, I'm going to watch YouTube videos on how to grow pineapples. Yeah, you got, you've, you got me curious. This sounds really interesting. Mm -hmm. They are amazing. And, but you got to be patient, man. You can't do this like your blueberries. Or like three days later, you're like, you're dead. I give up. You can't do that because this I'll is like years well, long. I didn't say I was giving up. I, I just realized that I, I jumped the gun. I should have built the irrigation system before I got the blueberry bushes. I didn't know we were going to have a heat dome. Like the timing was all off. That's. Mm -hmm. That was the only thing, but I'm not giving up. So I will add into pineapples because I really like growing, you know, during COVID, I really, really got into gardening and I find it really rewarding. And, um, patience is one of the big things, you know, you, yeah. you as long as you're patient and then you see the, the fruits of your labor, pun intended. Um, I think, um, uh, you know, it's a, it's a really good hobby for people to have. And I think everyone should grow at least something, even if it's just some basil, you know, you try to grow something, you, well, you know you'll realize that. That we're, this we're wasn't really. A, this wasn't okay. our plan, but I like this. Um, one of the things that I, I did was I just took some totes because I, I live in a townhouse, right? So there's tons of bunnies around. So if I put gardens out front, they're gonna bunnies are gonna eat it anyway. So I just took some totes and I put them on my step, just those low rise plastic totes, and put holes in the bottom. And all I did was I put a bunch of dirt in and I bought packages of wildflowers. I just sprinkle those in there and water them. And some of them take five, six months to sort of incubate yeah. and grow. And some of them grow right away. So there's some grass and there's some daisies and there's all kinds of stuff growing. And so it kind of looks like just like this wildflower walkway. And one of the political uh, door knockers came up and said, I really like what you do here with your front. And I was like, ah, it's just totes and a bunch of flowers. He's like, yeah, but it's kind of cool. It's not like so perfect. It just looks natural. Anyway, I just, I've, I've really, through the course of COVID, pun intended, grown to love it. So... <laughs> Since we're intending our puns today, yeah, roll I like it. Roll. Why grow pineapples? You can purchase them for two ninety nine. Yeah, yeah, I know that. And what's even makes it worse, Steve, with your text message is that it takes years to grow them. But that's what makes you grateful for the fact of how amazing supply chain is. Okay, handyandymedia.com. Let's get into some of the tech stuff because this is what you do too. Satellite broadband for those rural users has been an exciting opportunity to maybe get some faster internet where you can't get internet. What's the problem? Yeah, so Elon Musk, I think everyone knows who Elon Musk is. Well, he also has another company called Starlink. And what he's doing is creating satellite internet using what, what they call LEO satellites. And LEO stands for Low Earth Orbit Satellites. So they're about 550 kilometers up in the orbit. And they're just a constellation of these satellites. And what they're doing is delivering internet, especially to rural areas. But what they really want to do is expand this chain to just become an alter alternative to how we get our internet. Because right now it's usually through fiber optic cables. But what, what they've noticed just recently, because it's still in beta, you know, they're, they're still working out the kinks. But the whole system went down and then it went back up. And Starlink really never said what the problem was. But some of the users that are using this in their homes have noticed that there's a little dish that they have to put on the top of their house. And so some people are thinking pigeons are one of the reasons to blame because the pigeons are hanging on this, like hanging out on this dish, causing interference for this um, internet to come through their house. So they're probably going to have to fix its design, but the, this is the future. And I think this is how we're going to get our prices down for our cell phone bill in Canada. Because satellite internet is really disruptive. All of those arguments of it costs so much money to build the infrastructure, well, that goes out the window once you have someone like Elon Musk. And we, we saw what he did with Tesla and the automotive industry. I think he's doing the same thing with internet services. And especially as we go into 5G, if they can create enough of these satellites out there, 
you know, they could probably give give us 5G speeds. But the big question is, can we have too many satellites? Because right now, that's a big risk um, of getting into collisions, especially for these new spacecrafts as they go up. There's thousands of these satellites up in orbit right now, and they're going to just keep adding more and more. It's going to be a lot of competition in that space for these low orbit satellites. In that space. More puns. Yeah, another probably. pun. Oh, I didn't, you know, Ooh. look at that. I did a pun that didn't even it didn't even register. But thank you for pointing that out. That pun out. All right, let's. Uh, I, these new satellites are smaller. That's the good news and easier to replace. So not like the old ones that were as big as your house. So that's the good news. That doesn't mean it's not going to be a problem. Okay, Instagram. I don't know. Probably my favorite of the socials. I like the Instagram. I think the feeds on the reels are getting better and better and better. So they're getting, you know, I, I guess they're reading me better. I use it more often, but I, I, they're giving me stuff that I will burn through in five, 10 minutes of just death scrolling away. And what's the change there? Well, Instagram now is going to require all of the users to give their birthdays. And it's not to wish you happy birthday. It's really um, out there to curb young people from joining Instagram because they have rules that you can't be a minor and be on Instagram. They're actually thinking about creating an Instagram for kids which I think is a horrible idea, but they are going to now uh, verify that you are of age to use Instagram. And the amazing thing is, Shane, they're going to use age detection AI to find this out because they know people share a lot of information online. So if somebody wishes you happy 21 birthday or 21st birthday, they're going to know that you're 21. Or if somebody, if you're a child, say you're 10 years old and you tried to say you're 29 years old and someone wishes you a happy birthday for turning 11, you know, Instagram, the AI will detect that and actually flag your account and then make you do more verification because basically they don't want minors to have Instagram accounts. And they also are doing other checks to make sure that adults can't communicate with minors that they don't follow because they're trying to just curb, you know, all of the issues that a big platform like Instagram has, especially when you're dealing with minors. Mm -hmm. Douchebaggery. It's okay. You can say it. One of the things that is kind of cool, though, is Facebook with Facebook kids is it has to be connected to an adult's account. So I know that when the kids make the phone calls and send the messages, they all come through the parent's phone no matter what. So you do get to see them in monitors. So that part's good. So I don't like to believe that. I mean, Facebook's angle is more of the gateway drug than it is the supporting parents. But of all of them, not so bad. Okay, let's move off to YouTube because you like to make YouTube videos. If you want to see Andy shit skipping shirtless, that's a great way to find him is on YouTube. No shirt on. It's pretty jacked, by the way, ladies. It's handsome. Um, how to choose to choose an electric scooter? I'm going to hand this off to Ryan O'Donnell because he wants to buy one. They're all expensive, way more expensive than I thought. But I use Bird scooters and you know all the other brands. But honestly, I'd rather just have my own and maybe. Does it go any faster than 24? Yes. Okay. Limited? So what what we're talking about are these uh, e-scooters, electronic push scooters. And there really are three things that you have to look for. One, of course, is the speed. And Ryan, you're only going to go to about, I'd say, max speed, about 30 kilometers. The Ooh, second thing that. you want, the second That's thing fast. you want to look for is the suspension because some of them actually have suspension systems and some of them don't. So if your yep. terrain is really bad, that is something that's going to be a huge issue. And the third and probably the most port, uh, important one is portability because you got to carry these. So you got to make sure that if you get one, 
try to make sure it's 30 pounds or less. There is really good ones that are about 42 pounds, but it is way too heavy for the average person to lull around. What you want to do is look for something in the 30 pound range if you want that portability. So the range, the comfort of the suspension and also the portability are the three things that you want to look for if you're in a market for an e-scooter. And if you go to my website, handyandymedia.com, I have a video comparing three of the most popular ones out there to help you figure out which one is right for you. What about those um, those one-wheeled ones I see advertised? Those look cool. Yeah, I haven't really tried one of those, and I don't know how you like carry them around if you're, like say, right. going into a gas station or something like that. So that's the only one that I can't figure out. But the other ones are pretty good. You just got to do a lot of testing to make sure you get the right one. They're fun, though. That's for sure. There's no doubt about it. Thanks for listening to The Shift Podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca.